It is impossible to be just to the Catholic Church. The moment men cease to pull against it, they feel a tug towards it. The moment they cease to shout it down, they begin to listen to it with pleasure. The moment they try to be fair to it, they begin to be fond of it. But when that affection has passed a certain point, it begins to take on the tragic and menacing grandeur of a great love affair. Welcome to Pints with Chesterton, a podcast where two millennial women dive into the wonderful and whimsical works of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. I am Marie. And I'm Grace. On today's episode, we are recapping our experience at the 41st Annual Chesterton Society Conference in Milwaukee. Marie, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm really happy that we had the wonderful experience we had last weekend. Me too. I'm very excited about it. I'm like kind of riding the wave uh, still of all of the joy and honestly whimsy (laughs) of everyone there. I think we really didn't know what to expect. Yeah, not at all. When we got invited, neither of us uh, had been to the Chesterton conference before, but it was so lovely. It was it was a surprise in many ways, I think. Yeah, for sure. I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I had been to some, you know, like academic conferences before. And there was obviously elements of that at this conference. But I felt like it was more just like a group of people, whether they were, you know, academics or not, just yes. sort of enthusiasts about like yes. Chesterton. You know, everyone just like loves Chesterton and so everyone was like very excited and excited to hear from everyone no matter who they were where they were coming from um and the whole vibe was was just um enthusiastic and joyful and funny yes (laughs) and I just felt like everyone was there to have a really good time so it was awesome yeah it was very um it was very encouraging because it was not stuffy and academic at all. Um, and I mean that in the best possible way, like great ideas were being passed around and awesome concepts and stories were being shared, but people were not giving their credentials the whole time (laughs) and, you know, um, saying why they were, um, qualified to give the opinions they were giving or anything like that. It was just, as Grace said, a big group of amateurs, you know, lovers yeah. of Chesterton and um, really wholesome, <laughs> really wholesome people. You immediately felt like you were familiar with people, even though you maybe never had met them before, uh, which was yeah. just so much fun. And it made it a very relaxing experience, actually. Mm-hmm. I kept having the experience of like seeing people that looked familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I kept being like, I feel like I've seen you before, but I don't know why. And you're just like this random person from across the country. I don't know. But uh, like yeah, I it was. I see like some Chesterton <laughs> in you. Is that? <laughs> yeah, it really was. I mean, I just felt like his spirit was definitely present and yes. laughing and <laughs> um, yeah. just at everyone. And yeah, it was, it felt very light. And I feel like he 
would have just like walked around a corner and joined everyone. <laughs> totally. And and at one point he kind of did <laughs> because yes. uh the marvelous John Walker was there who does the impersonations of Pre- Chesterton and I just can't get over how much he looks like him. <laughs> he to me he looks like a slightly more like put together version of Chesterton. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Cuz like Chesterton himself like if you really look at pictures he and I mean Everybody talks about it in their biographies of him, too. Or, um, yeah, of their biographies. Like, he was kind of disheveled and... um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, yeah, John was amazing and really kind. And he, like, he really has captured the spirit of Chesterton as, like, a character that he plays. It's very fun. For sure, yeah. I saw... I don't know if you were there for the whole presentation that he did. He basically set up... Because the, the whole conference this year was... Um, it was on the anniversary, the 100th anniversary of Chesterton's conversion to the Catholic church. So whenever he was received finally into the Catholic church in 1922. Um, and so the whole theme of the conference was conversion. And so when John Walker gave his presentation as Chesterton, he spoke about his conversion and he was Mm. quoting lengthy passages of various works of Chesterton Mm. where he talks about his conversion, which was really cool because he was doing it kind of in his person and in his voice and stuff. But he kept doing this thing where that I just feel like Chesterton would have done where he would say sort of like a joke or like a pun or like say something that made him laugh and then he would like pause before he went on and like laugh at himself (laughs) and it was so funny and we were all just like dying um but it really felt like he was there Mm. that it was cool yeah I actually didn't get to see that because my baby needed to go to sleep and it was (laughs) like one of the evening sessions but I just saw John on a um, Chesterton station, I think it's called, on oh. EWTN. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend's dad was playing Shaw in that oh, particular right. episode. And so I had seen him on there. So when I saw him at the hotel, I like waved at him. And in my mind, I'm like, he knows who I am because I know who he is. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> obviously, he didn't know who I was, but he was so nice and... Um, yeah, like you said, really captures the spirit of Chesterton. Mm-hmm. I yeah. and then I feel like the rest of the time he was just talking to people, like just so open and so kind. I f- yeah. I would have expected him to wave back at you even if he didn't know who you were. <laughs> yes, which he did, which he did. Yes, yeah. I didn't know if it was because we were speakers at this conference or what, but it felt very like cohesive to me. Um, mm-hmm. Like the speakers and the conference goers the conference attendees um Mm. all made merry together very yeah flawlessly like it was just very everyone was very welcoming there was no it didn't feel like a big like we were showing up to perform and Mm -hmm. we were like separate from everyone else I guess I haven't been to too many conferences but sometimes it can feel like the speakers are like the celebs or like yeah. just like just on display I guess and they're like there to mm-hmm. do a job but we very mm-hmm. much were like welcomed to have fun and to enjoy right. ourselves like, like just as much as like to be an attendee in the time where we right. weren't speaking which was so nice yeah yeah and I think that that was kind of what contributed to making this conference like unique um mm-hmm that I think some of the speakers even came from being regular conference goers. So I think some of the speakers, um, 
that did panels or breakout sessions like we did or had talks yeah. kind of in the morning that they were, I guess like not the keynote speakers um, yeah. that they were people who came to the conference or had come to the conference and were just involved in the society in different ways as enthusiasts and yeah. people who have been impacted by Chesterton in a significant way. And then were asked to speak and it was really cool because it was really relatable. Yeah. Um, you know, totally. you didn't feel like you had to be some kind of scholar. When they first asked us to speak, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm not qualified to speak at the Chesterton yeah. Conference. Like, what do I know? I know. <laughs> you know, like we said, yes, and I was like, our... OK, better <laughs> study for the next seven I months. Know. Yeah, I know for real. And um, but then we got there, you know, and we were sharing our thoughts at our panel. And yeah, um, I had no idea how it went or how it was going over you know um but then afterwards people were so kind and they just like all rushed up and were had things to say and were excited and I was actually yes I was surprised by um some of the people who came up and said like oh my gosh I never thought about it that way or I you know and I was like wow really yeah (laughs) I thought I was gonna be um well you know I don't know not really saying anything new yeah well when you sat with your thoughts too for like months and months Mm -hmm. about what you're going to talk about and then you know obviously like the final month or so before our talks are written we're practicing we're editing we're thinking about it even more and it's like by the time I actually gave my portion of the talk I had heard myself say it so many times that I was (laughs) like am I even saying anything or like right this feels so basic I've practiced it so many times but Yeah, everybody had really kind things to say. And I feel like even if we, well, and I will say we'll do a whole nother episode on um, our presentations. I'm trying to get the audio for, Mm -hmm. to share with the listeners. But Grace talked about Job and uh, the man who is Thursday, which was just like (laughs) so much what people needed, it would seem like. It really spoke to people. I think people have been suffering a lot this summer. Mm. Just like mm. uh, we have not, like my my husband and I and our little family, like we've been doing good, but we've been praying for so many people who have had like great suffering on their hearts mm-hmm. this year and mm-hmm. particularly this summer. So I feel like jo- um, Job, Grace talked about Job and like... Um, how the characters in The Man Who Is Thursday um, really are Job and Sunday was God and all of the stuff. And when she was finished, I feel like people were like, yes, like sometimes I just have to be satisfied after my suffering. Like, you know, we don't always get the answers that we want. And sometimes God mm-hmm. is the only answer. And that's the reply that. So anyway, yeah. that doesn't even yeah, and I justice to your talk, but. Well, it's funny because I, in kind of studying in order to give this talk, I like, I knew what I wanted to talk about, but I was really nervous because the man who was Thursday is so famously difficult and confusing. And so I was afraid I was like, okay, I think I have this. And, and I wasn't doing it just by myself. I had read some essays, you know, but I was like, I, I'm afraid that this is going to be like, off of like what it's actually about or if I'm, yeah. I'm going to be wrong and there's going to be these scholars there like like yeah. Dale Alquist is going to be there you know and I'm like <laughs> and he and missed like, oh my gosh he missed like, our talk and then he missed the all. talk I know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and actually it was so great because um 
that it was good that he missed it because later I went the last night I went to Afterglow, which is this fun time at the end of the night when people just gather and people bring cheese and crackers and beer and wine. And they just like find a spot out on the grass outside the hotel and just like hang out all night, really. And uh, so I went to the last one and I was sitting around in a little circle and uh, Dale was sitting across from me. And so I was kind of chatting with um, Teresa, the woman next to me. And then all of a sudden um, there was a moment and I realized I had gone to a and a session. He had like a ask Alquist anything Q&A mm-hmm. session. And I went to that um, and I was going to sort of like cheekily ask him in the Q&A session, like, so what is the entire meaning of man who was Thursday, you know, huh? but I, um, but I didn't get a chance to, cause people had so many great questions and it just kind of yeah. kept rolling. And so at the afterglow, I kind of kicked his foot across the, the circle and I was like, Hey, I never got to ask you my question. And he was like, Oh, what was your question? And so I asked him, what's the meaning of the man who was Thursday? And he like leaned in really close and he like looked at me very intently and he goes, it's the book of Job. And I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, and you didn't come to my, my talk. So I know you're not just saying that yes. <laughs> like it really is. Yes. And so, um, so I was like, yes. Okay. Fantastic. So then I talked to him about it for a little bit and he kind of gave me his little like presentation on it or whatever. And then right after that, I saw, um, Joseph Pierce, whose talk was amazing. I don't know if you were able to hear, um, That's one where my husband one. attended and I, I stayed back with baby bear, but gotcha. I'm hoping to listen to it at some point. Yeah, it was really just beautiful. I had never heard, I had heard of him a lot before, but I had never actually heard his story. I never oh. heard his conversion story or anything. I have but heard he, it before. He, it's a pretty amazing it's story. It's pretty intense. Yeah. 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 Which I didn't, I didn't know at all. And so, um, yeah. So at some point in his talk, it was kind of a throwaway comment. He, it wasn't related to anything, but he said something about like, about the man who was Thursday and said, mm. and, I, and by the way, I think I finally cracked the code to oh. the man who was Thursday, but that's another thing. And then he like moved on in his talk. So I found him at the afterglow and I was like, Hey, thank you what so did much you for mean your talking by witness. But I have a question. <laughs> I was like, you said you cracked the code and I want to know what you think it is. And he was yes. like shaking my hand. And then he gives me this giant bear hug. And he's like, he's like people who are acquaintances shake hands, but people who are friends hug and anybody's my friend who wants to talk to me about the meaning of the man who was Thursday. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fun. But anyway, so then we sat there and talked about it and he gave me his whole nutshell and it was really crazy because apparently like that day he had an article coming out in crisis magazine on the man who was Thursday. And wow. he was like, I think, wow. I think it's posted now. I think it's out, but it was literally the same day. That's and so, so I cool. went and read it and it was really awesome. And he actually didn't talk about the book of Job, but he talked about a lot of themes that I had been kind of pondering. Yeah. So we, yeah. I still felt like I was kind of on the right course, which yes. was exciting. So yeah, I want to do another episode on the man who was Thursday. Cause I feel like we recorded it and we like covered some stuff, we but there's the so surface. much more. that I kind of had missed that time around and and since we recorded I read the whole thing again um and so I have a lot more thoughts so I want to record another one well fantastic um well so we will yeah we're gonna be doing a few things actually that's a good segue we're gonna be um talking about the man who was Thursday as Grace just said again to kind of go a little bit more in depth we're going to be in the next few months reading St. Francis of Assisi and talking about that at some point, which will be really fun. And then, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I want to try to get the audio from our conference talk 
um, to you guys. There were some problems, I guess, with the live recording. But if we can get that audio for you, we will. And if we can't, maybe we'll just read our talks on here and, and let you listen to them. But it went... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it went really well. And um, David was fantastic. And as usual, oh, yeah. his accent always <laughs> always pleases the crowd. Um, right. You was, did a great job, too. Everything yeah, was great. Yeah, everything yeah. went really well. We said what we wanted to say. Stories are important. Um, yeah. But... One, I guess one question I had for you about the conference was, um, what was your favorite, um, what was the talk, what was your favorite talk and, and did it surprise you that it was your favorite talk? Mm, I had a couple favorite. <laughs> okay. Okay. There what was, were your there was two a couple favorite? That, well, I'll say like there was a couple that really surprised me that I was sort of, uh, well, I don't even know really what I was expecting. I had like some ideas in my head of what I thought the talk was going to be based on the title. Um, but then I was just really pleasantly surprised at some of the themes that came up. Mm. And so, um, one of them was one of the first ones in the morning, um, from Joseph Grabowski was on arguing, not quarreling. Um, and he was talking about, oh, so good. And it was talking Mm. about how to basically reverence the person that you are going to argue with. Um, yes. So not arguing in, in the sense of quarreling, but like what's the difference between the two and Chesterton's writing. And so yeah. um, he talked a lot about how people are not trained to argue anymore. Instead, mm-hmm. they're trained to fight or quarrel. Um, and so if we know that the other person is not even capable of, of arguing rationally at that moment or ever or, you know, whatever, that like it's right. our job to actually reverence that person yeah yeah and back off and I was like wow that's that's so great um but then you know if a person is able to have an actual argument that the whole goal of an argument is that the two people first of all have to agree on the goal like they have to agree that what are we arguing about in the first place together Right. And just define that and just like make sure that they're on the same page and continuously define it as the argument unfolds yes. and as yes. things change. And so it was just really, really practical. Um, and I really appreciated that talk a lot. I, um, yeah. And then, of course, the other one that really surprised me um, and was just beautiful, which I'll let you talk about because I know you enjoyed mm-hmm. it as well, was um, Susan Sucher's talk on... Um, I think it was called the emancipation of domesticity. Um, But I, in my mind, titled it womanhood and cheese because that was the thing that really stood out to me. That's what she talked about. Chesterton's essay on cheese and how women are beautifully unique and how everyone's expression of their womanhood and motherhood is going to be different and unique. And so anyways, but say more about that because I know you enjoyed that. Yeah, both of those talks. It's so funny. Both of those talks, I think, contribute so much to aiding in... um, family life like people left Mm. those talks better able to go back to the people that they have relationships with like and to serve them better and to appreciate them more um I also loved the talk about arguments um um and I think it's an important lesson to learn to let go of and let go of a conversation if it can't go further in a healthy way um but yeah Susan's talk was Yes, quite surprising. I didn't know her story. So it was the story of her conversion, but also mm-hmm. her conversion to being a stay-at-home mother, which sounds like not a big deal, but 
it is when you haven't grown up with that in your head at all as the idea mm-hmm. of what you're going to do when you're an adult. And she has nine children and her ninth baby she almost lost for various reasons mm-hmm. after she was born. She was on the on the verge of death for, I think she said, at least three weeks. And, you know, she, talk, she talked about that crazy journey, but how Chesterton accompanied her throughout mm-hmm. this journey of, like, navigating staying at home, navigating almost losing her daughter, who's thank God doing well and she's like just the most beautiful little thing too oh my gosh she was so cute (laughs) she was at the conference with Susan and she was just a a doll she was so cute but um she said that like Chesterton gave really gave her um guidance and inspiration Mm -hmm. as she went through that those hardships um, mm-hmm. And particularly, I guess I'd just like to tell you about the the second one. Um, when she was when she thought she was losing her daughter, her like she basically said her temptation was to grieve. The doctors mm-hmm. tell her, "Your daughter doesn't have long to live. She wants to grieve." And she said, mm-hmm. like she um, kept reflecting on what Chesterton said about gratitude and life and family and everything and she knew that she needed to just live in the moment and grieve when Mm -hmm. it was time to grieve like if Mm -hmm. her daughter did die she would grieve then but she would just Mm -hmm. enjoy being with her while she had her and um and she quoted the she quoted something that I actually ended up quoting in my talk which is from orthodoxy when Chesterton talks about being grateful for the toys that Santa gives us in our stockings, but he wants to express gratitude for the two legs that are in his stockings um, <laughs> and like almighty God for those legs. So, oh my gosh, everyone was in tears, I think, during oh, Susan's we talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was such a, like, I think both of those talks I left and I was like, oh my gosh, like, Every day is precious. Every moment is precious. We gotta. We have to love our families. We need to love our friends. We need mm-hmm. to be present with who we are with. And um, yeah, it was very moving. Um, and and I felt Chesterton there. Like he would have one hundred percent been happy with what was said because he was so charitable and he was so loving. Right. Even though he would, he knew he was right. Obviously about many things. He was always charitable in argument, and he was always charitable with his wife and with the people he loved. So I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, I I was so um, touched by Susan's story, particularly in just her kind of intimate connection with Chesterton, like in those dark moments in the hospital and everything, because I've experienced the same thing with him. And so it was really like, wow, I'm not the only one, you know, like all these other people that were meeting at this conference, like there's something that goes much deeper than just like, oh, he said something funnier. I kind of like his ideas, but it's something that is really the connection to Christ, the connection to God um, that Chesterton had and that we are seeking as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, honestly, like he, I know, I know you uh, agree that he's honestly 
contributed to a deepening of our spiritual lives. And that's yes. really the ultimate reason why we read him. Um, yes. We continue to read him and talk about him. And so, yeah. yeah, I just, I felt that that was very clear kind of coming through mm. everyone's talks at the conference. And yeah. uh, I was very edified by that. And it was exciting to yeah. meet these people and to hear their stories. And yeah, and yeah you just never know like the background of, of someone in like, yeah, why you they're talking about what yeah. they're talking about. And um yeah, it's just so fun to to be able to approach each person as this beautiful, unique mystery and be yes. like, tell me about that. Like, tell me, like, why, why do you love this? Like, why do you love yeah. this thing? Because Chesterton, I mean, Chesterton wrote about literally everything. I mean, <laughs> he wrote yes. about so many different things. And so different people come to him, you know, and are, are focused on different aspects of his writing or yes. different styles of his writing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool, the diversity that you can get at a conference like that. Um, but it's really fun to be like, why do you love Chesterton? And like, yes. like what in your life has it touched you? has he because it kind of it unites um, all of us in yeah those different ways sometimes we're surprised you definitely can't look at a person and know and know what they've been through and know why mm -hmm. Chesterton touches them in their life so that was really cool to hear I I was yeah. actually surprised too at like some of the comments after our presentation um and I would say like uh in response to the question I just asked you, Susan's talk probably touched me the most out of all of them. But mm. after our talk, um, as Grace said, lots of people came up to chat with us. We didn't actually have time for questions because our session mm. started late. But um, a lot of people told me that they don't actually like Chesterton's fiction very much. So they... Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Appreciated the talk because well my part my portion of the talk to sum it up in one sentence was to tell about how I thought me and alive was the fictional version of orthodoxy which is Chesterton's conversion mm -hmm. story right and so they could see like one of them said to me like I can see how important story is like after you talked like man alive is that um, fictional manifestation of of orthodoxy mm. but I still don't love his fiction or <laughs> or some people just said oh I just find him so difficult to read and it's like they're at the Chesterton conference but they're still yeah like they still struggle to read him sometimes and I think that's I, I was just laughing because we all struggle I think at times with him but also sometimes I feel like that with like scripture or prayer in general like I'm like go, 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 go. And then I kind of hit, um, I don't know, a book of the Bible or something where I'm like, oh man, I'm struggling with this. But like, mm -hmm. we recognize that goodness. We recognize the value in continuing. And I think that's what people mm -hmm. do with Chesterton's writings. Yeah. They struggle, but they recognize the ultimate goodness and like the value in continuing to struggle with him. And like mm -hmm. they, like you said, Grace said um, <laughs> in her talk, I read The Man Who Is Thursday for the first time like five years ago <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what the heck I just read, but I loved it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. pretty much sums yeah. it up. That yeah, sums and it's it like, up. you know, when you read him and I think I and to be fair, I'm a person who loves fiction. Um, I mean, well, Me it's funny Me because too. I and I wouldn't consider myself a huge fiction reader in general, like throughout my life. Um, but in terms of Chesterton his fiction is my favorite I like mm. his fiction more than I like his other things even though I also like his other things yeah. um but it's harder for me 
to struggle through, for example, orthodoxy. Mm. Um, but it's one of those things where when I pick that up and it's a struggle, um, you know, we talked about this in our podcast on orthodoxy that like, yeah. you started to read a page and you got five pages in and you were like, I have no idea what I'm reading. And then you get to the end and suddenly you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Like this ties everything together, you know, yeah. but you kind of have to struggle through it and, and check yeah. yourself and reread sentences a couple of times. And it's, a, yeah. it's a little bit of a struggle, but you know, when you're reading it, even if you don't understand it at first, you know, when you're reading it, like this is good and I can tell it's good, but I like, don't know why yet. <laughs> I yes. just have to push through, you know? Yes. And, um, but also just like you mentioned scripture, um, it's always better. I mean, in scripture obviously is different because it's literally the word of God and there's yes. the Holy spirit in that. But, um, but discussing it with other people is so important. That's why we have Bible studies and things like yes. that, because we sometimes can't really get our mind all the way around somebody else's writing or an, an idea unless we discuss it with other people kind of talk and it we're out. Not and so meant, not meant to go it alone. That's right. Why we were, the church was created so that we would yeah. have each other to help each other through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even Chesterton in a way and all of his writing is uh, having conversations with other people. Yeah. I mean, he's responding. He's a journalist. He's responding yeah. to other articles he's read, books he's read, yeah. authors that he finds interesting. Um, Challenges from other yeah. writers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole reason he writes orthodoxy um, and the whole reason that he writes um, heretics and the whole reason that he writes his book on the Catholic church and conversion is to respond to people's questions to yeah. him. So he's yeah. really having a conversation. Um, yeah. so I think he just is such a, um, someone who inspires building greater community, um, mm. which is honestly the ultimate goal of yeah. the Christian life is communion yeah. with God and others. And I think the conference was a cool, uh, manifestation of that just naturally because of who he was and what he wrote about so it's really cool that it was it's only been 100 years since he converted yeah Yeah. I mean he was alive less than 100 years ago but like his conversion date we celebrated only 100 years later and he's one of the greatest minds of our of our times yeah yeah and maybe uh, the greatest mind of the 20th century yeah I felt just really cool and and privileged to be able to be at that conference with all those people who love him on the 100th anniversary like that's really cool yeah that we were there it was really special Um, yeah what was um what was I guess switching um to a different topic but what was um your favorite part about like the conference overall, what did you like the most? Did you like afterglow? Did you like talks? Did you enjoy having meals with people? Like what was the, what was your very favorite part? Um, I had a really great time at the afterglow on the last night. Um, I, I sort of discovered too late that afterglow was actually not hap- happening in the hotel bar. I thought that that's where it was. Cause I kept every night. People. I thought it was dead. Yeah. So I, I would like, just go to everybody's bed. Everybody's talking up Afterglow so much, but there's like no one hanging out in the bar. Like what's going on? <laughs> and then somebody on the last night was like, no, it's outside. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I had sort I'm of really glad it. you win. Yeah. So I got to go the last night, which was really fun. Um, so good. I definitely plan to be there every night next year. Yes. But, um, yes. but I did have some really good conversations in the bar um, with, I had a long conversation with Sarah 
who is from Montana. Um, and Good. I think she's a podcast yes. listener. So shout out Sarah. Sarah um, was awesome. I really but, liked her a lot. Yeah. So we had a long conversation, which was great um, one night. But yeah, honestly, I mean, I enjoy the talks and everything. But um, yeah, just like meeting people and hearing their stories and yeah. hearing their connection to Chesterton and asking them yeah. questions. I honestly just wish only that it was longer that I could have had more conversations with people yeah. and talked more about some of his works and stuff. Um, but it was, it was super fun. I'm, I'm a pretty, I guess, social person. So I think all the social aspects of yes. it were probably my favorite, but even just like, like you said, how fluid it was like between mm. the speakers and the conference goers who weren't speaking and just kind of the, lively funny fun like yes. atmosphere everyone just kind of having a good time and well it was um, like you know all those people that we've mentioned like joseph and dale and susan and what was um the one who gave um the argumentation talk joe joe grabowski joe I think. yeah i think that's and then it. there was you know many other speakers too but mm-hmm. they were all just available and around mm-hmm. and hanging out and like would approach mm-hmm. you and start chatting with you and it mm-hmm. was very just yeah it was very casual and I don't mean that in a in a bad way mm-hmm. it felt felt like a bunch of friends hanging out and just like sharing something that they loved together yeah, it made me it wish was... that like we all lived in the same town <laughs> I know so we I could know. get together to party more often but <laughs> right but people were still really kind like the people that I talked to that were exchanging like phone numbers and email addresses and I've already been in contact with several people that I met that I was talking to just awesome. post-conference and actually I didn't mention this when you were asking about my favorite talks it wasn't uh, a talk but a breakout session I went to was by Tom Ruby on localism yes. and like he just shared his own personal experience of him and his wife like trying to do the localist thing basically based on Chesterton they had read him for so many years and were really convicted by like the importance of building local community and I was super inspired by that that I've already been in contact with him since the conference and been like teach me your ways (laughs) you know because um yeah just little simple things and um just kind of like living closer to people and closer to the land and just like I don't know being building community wherever you are whether you're in the country or a town or a city or whatever so um, yeah, so the people cool. were just amazing and just so fun to connect with. So, yeah. well, I think next year it's in Minneapolis and mm-hmm. I think that, um, they did a fantastic job. I would totally recommend going if you didn't oh, get yeah. to go this year. For the sure. talks were, there were a lot of talks, like they offered mm-hmm. you a lot of content to take in and mm-hmm. they were varied very varied the food was delicious and the coffee oh, was yeah. delicious and- oh gosh yeah the food was amazing and marie and i <laughs> marie and i were like what is this decaf coffee because we would drink our you know caffeinated so coffee in the morning and then all day long they had this fresh coffee going and so we would drink the decaf so we yeah. wouldn't like you know die of caffeine overload yeah um but we were like what is this decaf coffee it's amazing you know and we're at this marriott hotel so we're thinking like it's probably some like bougie or whatever so marie went and asked yeah i asked and and it was um folgers folgers (laughs) classic folgers classic decaf which is already Uh, in my cupboard now oh my gosh it's on my grocery list (laughs) i went and bought it this week and i've been enjoying decaf because 
Yeah, I want to drink coffee all day, but I don't want to drink coffee all day for the caffeine. So, um, yeah, I cannot highly enough recommend going. Um, mm-hmm. Grace and I both shopped for books, and since oh, we're so many books, <laughs> since we're members with the society um, for this year at least, um, we got a discount on all of our books, and on we got some really cute sweaters um, and like. It was just really fun, fun shopping, yeah. fun, mm-hmm. um, fun book selection, great food, great people. And it was, it was a beautiful location too. The weather was perfect. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee is a cool place. Um, oh yeah. It was really cool to visit Milwaukee. We got to go in town and see some beautiful churches and just like eat some cheese curds, you yes. know, <laughs> yeah, those are really so, good cheese curds actually. Yeah, they were, um, but Anyway, yeah, I, I really would recommend going. Um, we're going to try to go again next year or at least. Oh, yeah. Uh, for uh, sure, I will. I mean, we're only two and a half hours from Minneapolis, so if it really is there, I don't think we have an excuse to skip. <laughs> um, but I am really looking forward to discussing books more again on the mm-hmm. podcast. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing all your thoughts on the yeah. conference. You too. Um, yeah, so next next we're going to do, hopefully um, pretty soon, we're going to do a third and final episode on The Man Who Was Thursday. Um, and then after that, we're going to get into St. Francis of Assisi. So we're going to do a little bit of a different genre than we've done so far. Yes. Um, and get to know a little bit about probably, I would say, don't you think, one of the most famous saints of the church? Um, yes. I feel like and a I've- lot of people... I've heard a lot about this book, so I'm like really looking forward to it because I don't think it's a straightforward. Um, no, what is it? Hagiography? Is yeah, yeah. So yeah, hagiography. Yeah. So it really, it's it's great. It's one of my favorites um, that I've read by him, and I I think I like it because he describes Francis in a classically Chestertonian way, um, not just sort of like a boring biography. He is wrestling with this like whole impact that he's had and why Mm. he had it so you get elements of biography but it's not um yeah it's not just like a straightforward chronological biography um Mm. it's very philosophical and it's fun and it's like just illuminating and it's inspiring um and so yeah I'm just I'm really excited to read it with you guys um and it'll give you a new love for Francis but I think it also um gives you a good understanding of Chesterton himself because mm. he fell in love with St. Francis, I think as a young boy. Um, so even mm. far before he was uh, an Orthodox Christian, before he was Catholic, certainly um, he loved St. Francis. There was something mystical and exciting about St. Francis. I think a lot of people right. feel that way. Yeah. They yeah. hear stories about him and it's like he communed with birds and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he does kind of sound like a fairy tale character more than a right. real man who lived. Yeah. This is my first time reading it though. So oh, I'm, I'm really, really yeah. excited. Yeah. That's going to um, be great. Yeah. All right. Well, until then, um, you can find us online, yep. Instagram at pints with Chesterton, pints with Chesterton.com, pints with Chesterton at gmail.com. Um, And until then, may you all enjoy lives of wit and whimsy. Cheers. Cheers.